Hello and welcome to another episode of 100% Real with Steph. This is your girl Stephanie and thank you so much for tuning in today and happy March. I'm super excited for springtime. I'm excited for the warmer days, the longer days ahead and I'm just ready for the winter days to be behind us. So in this uh, episode, I'm actually excited to be talking about, um, I will be talking about the movie Spencer and a historical connection. And so um, before I dive uh, deep into that, um, I actually, with this podcast, if you're new or not new, um, I talk about a variety of topics. So with the last couple of episodes, of episodes I did talk about um, well the last episode I talked about Encanto and generational trauma so if you haven't heard that episode yet please listen to it Um, but listen to it if you've already seen Encanto because there is spoilers in that episode and um, the episode before that I did talk about my top favorite TV shows of 2021 and um, I did make some recommendations of those shows and where you can watch uh, where you can watch them Um, but yeah so the last couple episodes were more entertainment focused Um, I will also be doing that um, with this episode as well Um, but I do have some a couple of episodes Uh, planned out for you guys where I will be talking about other topics Um, so stay tuned for those Um, and yeah just a couple of disclaimers uh, with this episode number one um, there will be spoilers so if you haven't seen Spencer please watch it before listening to this episode and second I am not a verified historian I love history, but I, I'm just not an, a real certified historian or whatever. But uh, I will have sources from like Wikipedia and Google because Wikipedia and Google are my best friends. But anyways, um, so yeah, I will be talking about Spencer, and if you, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Stay tuned. Welcome back to 100% Real with Steph. So the movie Spencer and a historical connection. So the movie Spencer was released last year, November of 2021, and was directed by Pablo Lorraine, and it stars Kirsten Stewart as Princess Diana. And so um, a while back, I did hear about uh, Kirsten Stewart, I was going to say Kirsten Dunst, no, wrong Kirsten, Kirsten Stewart, um, that she was going to play Princess Diana. So when I heard about this, I was like, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think a lot of people probably felt the same way, um, about her playing Princess Diana because one, they look nothing alike and two, um, 
you know, I just don't really follow Kirsten Stewart as an actress. Um, so, I mean, I know she's done Twilight and some other movies. Um, so I was a little bit iffy about her playing Princess Diana. So I really had no plans of watching this movie at all whatsoever. Um, but what changed my mind, and this was just very recently, and if y'all know me, I am late with everything. I watch movies and TV shows, um, very late. So I don't watch them like when it premieres, you know? So I don't know. Cause I'm weird like that. But anyways, so I heard there was a mention of Anne Boleyn, uh, in the movie Spencer. So when I heard about this, I was like, okay, now I have to watch it. So if y'all don't know who Anne Boleyn is or who she was, um, she was actually the second wife of King Henry VIII, and she was queen from 1533 to 1536. Um, so she's actually one of the most famous wives of King Henry VIII. Um, and she is a very interesting person. Um, she was very ahead of her time, very modern woman during the Tudor era. Um, anyway, so that was what made me want to watch Spencer. And so anyway, so yeah, I wasn't expecting to watch this movie and I ended up watching it and I really thought the movie was going to be like the show, The Crown. Um, and it was not like that at all. So this movie definitely had its own unique uh uniqueness to it and um this movie really did play out as a psychological horror movie um but not really like a, a horror movie like you know I don't know like the exorcist or um you know I'm trying to think what other like horror movie but I can't think right now um anyway so yeah I thought it was gonna be like that right when that's or that's what we think when we think of horror but it was more psychological so anyways the whole premise of this film um so it takes place in December of 1991 it does take place in three days um so it takes place during um Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas Day. Um, and so every Christmas, the Royals go, they pretty much go away to uh, pretty much like a retreat, a castle uh, to spend the holidays. And in the beginning of the movie, uh, you see Princess Diana, she's pretty much driving on her own. Like she originally was supposed to drive, um, or she was supposed to have bodyguards with her. Right. Um, but that ended up not happening. She wanted to drive to this palace on her own. So, um, you see Princess Diana, you know, stopping in the middle of a road, holding out a map, trying to find the palace. She ends up 
going into like this cafe, um, kind of like a cafe rest stop. And she pretty much asked the people like, where is this palace? And everybody is like stunned to see her because, you know, she's Princess Diana. And um, anyway, so Diana arrives to the palace late. She was actually supposed to arrive there before the queen. But throughout the whole movie, you see Princess Diana always running late. She's always running late to dinner, to photo ops or photo events. Um, She's late to church or, you know, she's never on time, right? So when you first see Princess Diana enter the palace, um, you know, her, her sons, you know, William and Harry are already there. And, you know, at this time they were very young. So, you know, they do mention that, you know, the, the palace is so cold, you know, and it, it does take place during winter. So I I assume that, you know, it's going to be much colder, but this is like where something kind of the weird stuff starts happening. Uh, not like in a spooky way, but kind of like in an odd traditional way. So before uh, the royals enter the palace, there is this scale where they get weighed. And it's this old tradition that pretty much dates back to, um, I think, like Queen Victoria. So the royals, they get weighed. um, And then throughout the three days of, you know, the holidays, um, you know, they're supposed to be indulging and feasting. And then after the three days, they get weighed back or yeah, they get weighed again. And um, they're supposed to have gained like three pounds or something like that. Um, And so for Diana already, um, if you don't know, she did uh, suffer from bulimia, she did have an eating disorder. So I could tell that was was already like an uncomfortable uh, moment for her. But anyways, going back to like the scale part, uh, that's already weird anyways. Um, And so, you know, Diana gets settled um, into her room and you see that she has all her outfits for her trip. So you have, you see her outfits for um, like Christmas dinner, uh, church, um, things like that. And on the dresses, there's tags, which are labeled P-O-W, um, or it would be known as like Princess of Wales, right? Um, anyways, so Princess Diana, she gets settled in and then she, quotes mysteriously finds a book um, of Anne Boleyn. So it's called The Life and Death of Anne Boleyn, a Modder. Um, by Eric Ives. And um, she starts reading this book and pretty much throughout the movie, you see Princess Diana pretty much, she kind of becomes obsessed with Anne Boleyn and she starts hallucinating and sees Anne Boleyn. Um, Like there's one scene where she sees Anne Boleyn at the Christmas dinner um, and pretty much ambulance appears and she doesn't appear in a lot of scenes in the movie. I think in total she's appeared in like four small scenes. 
Um, so before I talk about Anne Boleyn and Princess Diana, I do want to talk about who Anne Boleyn was, uh, besides being the queen and wife of King Henry VIII, just so y'all can get a better idea who she was as a person and, um, to also make that connection, um, with Princess Diana. Alrighty, so Anne Boleyn. So who was Anne Boleyn? Well, Anne Boleyn was born between 1501 and 1507. Um, there is no recorded birth date um, of when she was born. Um, why, I don't know. It was most likely that it, her birth date wasn't recorded um, for unknown reasons. Um, but she was born in Blinking Hall. She was the daughter of Thomas Boleyn and Elizabeth Howard. So they were pretty much a, a noble family. And Anne had two other siblings, Mary Boleyn and George Boleyn. And um, actually, Thomas Boleyn was actually already serving in the court of King Henry VIII. Um, so his presence was already known in that, in the court. Um, when Anne was about 11 or 12, she was sent away to the Netherlands, um, where she was, um, in court for, uh, the queen. I believe it was, uh, I think it was Queen Claude. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Margaret of Austria. Just kidding. I got the queens messed up. Um, but anyways, um, Anne was in court and she was known to be uh, an ordinary girl, but had for her age, she made a really good impression uh, in the Netherlands. And she was known to have like really good manners and very studious and that she was very well-spoken and pleasant for her young age. And, um, later on, um, and went and served in the court in France and she was actually the maid of honor to Queen Mary. Um, and she actually stayed in the French court for seven years. So before going back to England and uh, to the English, uh, court and while being in court in France, uh, Anne pretty much developed um, her study of French and was very interested in art, fashion, manuscripts, literature, music, poetry, and religious philosophy. Um, so she had a lot of knowledge of like French culture, uh, dance, etiquette. And she also uh, during that time, um, she also gained experience in flirtation and the game of courtly love. And, um, so though my source to back this up is Wikipedia, because like Wikipedia has like everything, but anyways, um, so yeah, so pretty much like Anne was pretty well-rounded and very educated. And so when she went back to England, uh, seven years later, she actually ended up in the court of King Henry VIII. Um, King Henry VIII pretty much like, Anne pretty much, what, what's the word? Like he pretty much caught, Anne caught King Henry VIII's attention. 
Uh, I can't talk today. But anyways, um, so pretty much King Henry VIII, he really um, was smitten, you know, over Anne Boleyn. And um, at that time, Henry was married to Catherine of Aragon, who is another badass queen. Um, and to make it a very long story short, uh, Henry, um, have, he always wanted to have sons, you know, so his dynasty can continue. Um, however, unfortunately, um, Catherine of Aragon pretty much kept, uh, miscarrying, um, or she did have, um, uh, children, but didn't make it. Um, and they had one survive, both Catherine and Henry both had one surviving child, um, Mary Tudor. And, um, anyways, so pretty much, uh, Henry VIII was, you know, he did have mistresses. Um, it was actually very common at that time for a king to have mistresses, and he did have, um, Ill illegitimate children. And, um, anyways, going back to Anne Boleyn, he was smitten over her. He was pretty much like obsessed with her. Um, so, you know, what people say about Anne Boleyn, you know, I think I was listening to this podcast very recently about, um, it's historically badass broads and they were talking about Anne Boleyn and I think they were talking about how, um, you know, people say that they either, it's like you either love or hate Anne Boleyn, um, you know, some people say that, you know, she seduced the king and she was just being like, uh, the Camilla of her time. Um, and people, you know, other people say, or other historians say that, and wasn't, you know, seducing the king that he, the king was mostly pursuing and, and, um, you know, and he, I mean, Henry VIII pretty much changed the course of history and not just Henry VIII, but and Boleyn as well, you know, by separating from the Catholic Church and forming his own church, the Church of England. Um, anyways, so, um, kind of like fast forward, um, they, Henry and Anne, both get married and you know and actually at the time that Anne Boleyn was crowned um she was actually pregnant um with their first child so you know hoping it was to be a boy and a few months later she gave birth and turns out it was a girl so that girl later on became known as Elizabeth I who was one of the most famous uh monarchs and greatest monarchs in English history. But anyways, going back to Anne and the connection with Spencer, um, or like Princess Diana. Um, so Princess Diana was actually a distant uh, descendant of Anne Boleyn. So Princess Diana is actually directly descended from Anne's sister, Mary Boleyn. And so there is some relation uh to the both of them and you know both women um with Anne especially Anne was known for being very 
smart and intelligent. She was very educated. Um, it was said that she was even more educated than the king. Um, she, you know, was very witty, very charming. Um, and, you know, regarding Anne's physical appearance, she didn't have that English standard of beauty at that time, which was like the pale skin, fleshy, rosy cheeks, blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, it was said that she did have olive skin, dark hair, black eyes, or really dark eyes, um, and that she was slender, you know, of average height. But, you know, it, she really did catch the att attention of, you know, Henry and also, you know, many other guys as well. I mean, it was said that she, um, it was said that she was engaged to like one of her cousins uh, in Ireland. He was like some Duke or something. Um, but that engagement was like broken off. And then, um, Thomas Wyatt, who was a poet, was in love with Anne Boleyn. Um, so she really just captivated, um, other people. She really had this presence. Um, and you know, also Anne was known to be very outspoken, um, so at that time, you know, women were, you know, not to be outspoken. They were pretty much to sit back and listen to their husbands serve them. Um, but Anne was the opposite of that. Um, and I think, you know, with Anne, um, you know, with her personality of being outspoken and very educated, she was pretty much very a modern woman at that time. She was very ahead um and I mean she was like your 2021 girl living in like the 1530s pretty much um and um it was also said for Anne to you know at times that she did have a bad temper which she didn't learn how to control um and it was also said that she was flirtatious um but uh you know regarding like you know, Anne's uh, accusations because she was accused of treason and adultery and incest. Um, and she was actually beheaded on May 19th, 1536. Um, so pretty much most historians agree that Anne was innocent of all those charges. Um, and also Anne was known to be charitable and very religious as well. So she did want um, hold on, let me go back. So at that time, there was a, dis a dissolution of monasteries. So, you know, there was the whole Reformation and um, her and Thomas Cromwell and Thomas Cromwell was, he pretty much was like the lawyer for Henry VIII. Um, they had like this disagreement of the dissolution of monasteries that Anne believed that the dissolution of monasteries should go towards like education and Thomas Cromwell wanted to use that money for something else. So anyways, there, there's so many theories of like what her downfall was. Um, and I wish I would can talk about it more, but I think I would just want to say that for a later episode. Um, but Anyways, going back with, you know, the connection with Spencer, 
Princess Diana was known to be very outspoken. She pretty much stood out from the whole royal family. She pretty much was like the rebel rebel in a way. Um, And like Anne, Diana was charitable. She was also a humanitarian. Um, You know, she gave back and with Diana, she, Diana, I think pretty much was pretty normal. You know, she, she wanted to have a normal life. You know, she wanted her sons to have a normal life as well. And, um, you know, I think, um, with both Anna and Diana, they both had tragic fates. You know, they both died, you know, relatively young, you know, I'd say, I think Anne died in her early to mid thirties and, Diana died when she was like around 35. So, um, so I think, you know, there, there are similarities because they pretty much stand out in the crowd, you know, for being outspoken, um, for both women being, uh, ahead of their time. And also they were both trendsetters. Um, you know, Diana was known as being like a fashion icon and, uh, and was the same way and pretty much, you know, introduced like the French hood in England, which was very much more fashionable and nicer looking compared to the gable hood. Um, so if you guys Google that, um, you'll, you'll understand why. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, there are similarities between the both of them. Um, you know, and I think, you know, making the connection and then going back to the movie, um, you know, like I said earlier with Anne Boleyn, um, being in the movie and that she was in like four scenes, very, very small scenes, but I feel like throughout the movie Anne's presence was pretty much, uh, pretty much there. It was pretty much well known. And, um, I remember there was like this one particular scene where, um, like there was like press conference and there was like a portrait of like Anne Boleyn And then there was another scene where there's like people are having dinner and there's like this huge portrait of like Henry VIII. Um, And there are references being made uh, about Anne Boleyn and you see that pretty much throughout the movie. And, you know, uh, so yeah, there are parallels between... uh, Diana and and I also forgot to mention this. I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. Anyways, um, that Diane. Okay, so Anne's sister Mary Boleyn actually was Henry VIII's mistress, um, and with Diana, her sister dated Prince Charles. So yeah, I also want to point that out. Um, so there's another like parallel. Um, Anyways, um, so kind of going back again with the movie Spencer, I also do want to mention that I forgot to mention earlier that, um, during the time, um, and with the movie, in which the movie is set in, um, it's pretty much, um, you know, Diana and Charles's marriage is already on the rocks. Um, and apparently for Christmas, um, Charles gifted Diana a pearl necklace and he also gifted his mistress Camilla the same necklace so anyways so yeah marriage was already on the rocks and 
I think during that time period, it was already like a turning point for Diana and pretty much a choice that she has pretty much had to make, you know, whether to, you know, stay in this marriage or leave. And also, you know, Diana was dealing with the royal family and pretty much their traditional ways and pretty much their um, emotions of being cold. They were pretty, the royal family, I mean, I don't think they have emotions. I could be wrong. Maybe they do. But it's just like what you see in the movie. It's like, from my understanding, like, they are just represented as heartless, emotionless. And um, in the movie, there isn't really much dialogue between, like, members of the royal family. Um, But the emotion that you get from them is just cold. And... Um, like I said earlier, uh, with Diana's voice mentioning that, oh, this palace is so cold, it could be like literally, but also like figuratively or metaphorically that the royal family is cold, um, uh, and they're heartless. But anyways, um, I think Diana also did a lot of things too, that she pretty much set the paved the way of breaking away from the royal family and breaking away from these traditions you know um she was known to run in one of her kids like events and she was told by her team not to run or not to join the race because she was wearing a dress or skirt and she was like why not and she ended up running in the race anyway um so yeah she's she had this rebellious spirit and it was also the same for Anne Boleyn um but I think with you know both Anne and Diana throughout the movie kind of see I think there was this one particular scene where pretty much Anne and Diana like morphed into one and um, you know, a, a lot of people I, I've have commented and I've read, you know, comments like on YouTube and TikTok, like why Anne Boleyn, um, and Diana, you know, Anne Boleyn is probably not the best choice to, um, put her, you know, in, in that movie. But, um, I mean, it would make sense if like if it, if it was Catherine of Aragon um because Catherine of Aragon Henry VIII's first wife was known as being the people's princess she was pretty much the pe- not the people's princess but she was like well yeah pretty much she was the people's princess she was the people's queen and everybody loved her so before I move uh forward with the episode I do want to make a correction um so I did mention earlier that um Thomas Cromwell was a lawyer, which he was, but he was mainly the chief minister to Henry VIII. So he wasn't necessarily the lawyer of Henry VIII, but the chief minister. So I just wanted to make that quick correction. Um, And Thomas Cromwell, he was a very interesting guy. Um, I know like last year I bought the book Wolf Hall. I seen the show Wolf Hall. If you have not seen it, please watch it. It is a beautiful, underrated PBS masterpiece uh, show. Um, 
and the acting is amazing the the score i love it so much and um and uh, i actually saw the show before i read the book because i didn't know about the book until after i watched the show but anyways um so i bought the book last year and um i posted on my instagram story uh a year ago about how i wanted to do like a book review slash tv review on wolf hall um but maybe I will do that sometime this year, maybe in a future episode for this season or maybe for next season. Who knows? Stay tuned for that. Anyways, uh, going back to Spencer and um, the historical connection. Um, so, you know, there I feel like there are parallels between um, Princess Diana and Anne Boleyn. Um, and I think the other thing that kind of like stood out to me uh, during the movie, um, I mean, there were a couple of scenes. So I think one scene that stood out to me the most and that I thought was very powerful was the dinner scene where Princess Diana, it, she's having dinner with the, the royal family and she's wearing the pearl necklace. And, you know, that's obviously when she knew that, you know, Prince Charles or her husband gave the same necklace to Camilla so you know and I think the emotions of the royal family is cold and heartless and you kind of see Diana just kind of having like this anxiety of like not wanting to be there or not wearing the necklace and um, you know she hallucinates and sees Anne Boleyn as well uh, eating dinner and you know, Anne Boleyn is also wearing her famous pearl necklace with um, the pendant, her letter um, of her last name, the bean necklace. Um, and so uh, I think my interpretation of like both necklaces, of Anne Boleyn's necklace and uh, Princess Diana's necklace is that to me it just symbolized of being chained um, into the family and basically it, it's kind of like the I think of it as like a leash you know just you know being tamed and not really being free um you know and regarding Anne Boleyn's necklace it's not necessary I don't know I want to say it's necessarily true but it's not true for sure if she actually had uh, a necklace I mean there are very there's not really much portraits of Anne Boleyn um, because Henry VIII, um, after Anne Boleyn was executed, pretty much destroyed a lot of remnants of her, so including any portraits um, of her. And so there's very few surviving portraits. And um, so we're not really exactly sure how she really looked like, um, even though I mentioned earlier it was said that, you know, she was you know, had really dark hair, olive skin, um, in a slender f uh, frame. Um, but I think with the picture that I chose, um, I actually got this off the internet, but with Princess Diana and Anne Boleyn, um, for the Instagram post, they, I think the more I look at it, the, they look kind of similar in a way. I feel like they both had the same like oval face, um, you know, face structure and, you know, kind of like those, they, I feel like they both had 
kind of big eyes and um they just have a there is like some sort of like resemblance kind of but not really um i mean of course they are distantly uh re related um another thing that i do want to point out with uh spencer um and i think the other scene that pretty much stood out to me too was one of the last scenes where you see diana um going into her childhood home and she pretty much is having memories of her childhood you know like of her happy moments and you know even you know you get flashbacks of her you know as a child and also like you know the day of her wedding day and where she's wearing her you know famous wedding dress and that she's happy and um and I think also we see happy moments of Diana when she's with her boys you know I think because she pretty much emphasized that being a mother was more uh important than you know being a, a queen or a princess uh, because at the end of the day she really did uh love her boys and I think she set really good examples uh, for them um and there is this one scene so spoiler spoiler alert um you know I, I mean pretty much spoiler alert for this whole podcast this episode that I'm doing but I think this one particular scene where Diana um she's in her childhood home and it's like abandoned um it's when you see it it looks spooky looking um and Diana is at the top of the stairs and she pretty much uh imagines herself like falling down the stairs like committing suicide and um I think that's when um the ghost of Anne Boleyn pretty much appears to her and that makes Diana kind of like snap out of her her imagination of that thought of falling down the stairs um and pretty much and tells diana like hey like um i saw you know him you know aka prince charles give pretty much give camilla the same necklace just like you know my husband henry the eighth was already giving a necklace to jane seymour um and Amber Boleyn pretty much says, like, hey, like, go, run. Like, pretty much, like, leave this family, leave this divorce, Charles, in a way. Um, and I think that was a very uh, pivotal mov moment in the movie because I think that really shaped Diana's decision to get a divorce and to leave um, the family because she knew it was really just um, making her so unhappy and it was just not it was pretty toxic it's not it wasn't healthy for her and um, especially being in a marriage where her husband's having an affair and um, you know Diana has you know previously said like you know if it, it felt like three there was three people in this marriage you know referencing to Camilla um, and I feel like with Anne Boleyn telling her to, you know, go run, be pretty much be free. It's something that Anne Boleyn didn't really get to do. Um, so I think both of these women, 
although they came from like these noble families, well-known families, um, they really didn't know what they were getting into um, with, you know, getting into the family. You know, with Anne Boleyn, I felt like she, you know, she wanted, she didn't just want to be a mistress to Henry VIII. She wanted to be queen and that, you know, she promised him, you know, a son. And, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen. But, you know, I felt like she had an amazing daughter who was one of the greatest monarchs in English history. So it's kind of like, ha, you know, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's kind of like a, like, haha moment, you know, where, um, Anne kind of gets like her, I wouldn't say her revenge, but kind of like, like, hey, like a woman can roll, you know? Um, but I think same with like, you know, Diana, you know, unfortunately, you know, Diana, you know, she passed away at a young age and, um, you know, she had to leave behind two young boys. Um, but, you know, she didn't get to be queen, but, you know, I think with a lot of people, she is a queen in pe of people's hearts, you know, and, um, I think that's why so many people love Diana because she's so relatable. She you know, even though she was part of the royal family, she didn't act like she was better than anyone, you know, and, um, and I think with, um, you know, Diana and Anne, um, although there are similarities, um, you know, I can see that, yes, there are differences between them because at that time that Anne was queen, uh, she wasn't a popular queen. Nobody really liked her nobody really cared for her um but I think Anne and Diana both le left outstanding legacies so with Anne like over 500 oh no almost 500 years later she is still influencing the world today like influencing culture um you know people like I said earlier people either love Anne Boleyn or hate her and I think but I think there's something about Anne that's so special and I feel like her presence is so important um, in today's culture because honestly I think Anne was the 21st century feminist back in you know the 1530s um, and then same with Diana you know although she it's been I think t almost 25 years since she's passed away but I think she's still leaves this legacy you know people still talk about her to this day there are documentaries there are movies about her you know and um I think she's also leaving that legacy as well and um I think in 500 years from now I think uh Diana is going to be still remembered and um I think her legacy is going to still continue then um and I think um I think also what I also want to mention is that I do feel like the director's trying to say something um, with this movie, you know, and I feel like with the genre of psychological horror, um, it makes sense um, in a way because I feel like Diana with the life that she was living in with the royal family, I felt like it was for her. I, I, it seemed like it was a horror story, you know, and, um, I think, um, it's different compared to other, like, Diana movies, you know, or, like, The Crown, the way, um, Diana is portrayed, 
but we pretty much take a look of Diana's like psychological state in the film. Um, but I think, um, you know, with this film and then with Anne Boleyn, I do feel like history is repeating itself. Um, and I feel like I can see where people say that, you know, maybe Megan and Mark, or excuse me, Megan Markle and Anne Boleyn, like, I feel like they're similar as well. Um, you know, cause Megan, she's kind of like the rebel in the family. She's breaking traditions. Um, you know, she, they're, you know, in the news, you know, she, it was reported that she's broke like royal protocol and several things. And, you know, like, of course her and Prince Harry are not living in England. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like they're, yeah, I can see where Meghan Markle and Anne Boleyn are related or like not related, but like there's a connection in that sense. Um, but yes, I think overall, I do feel like re history is repeating itself. Um, and I feel like there's a, a shift, uh, or hopefully there will be a shift in the monarchy. Um, you know, I think with Queen Elizabeth II at her age and, um, I mean, I don't know, she may probably still be alive and I you know I have grandchildren and she probably surpasses my grandchildren I don't know but you know um I think with the monarchy overall I think they're very they just hold on to these traditions these ancient traditions and you know I can see where Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are kind of like shifting away from that and kind of going toward towards more a, a modern monarchy you know and um so I think with in the movie um you know I think with Diana finding the book of Anne Boleyn and I kind of see it as you know I think it as a threat and a warning um because I think that book was placed there on purpose um, because I think even before, you know, Diana shows up in the movie, of course, like, you know, in reality, she's, she was always a rebel. She was always doing things differently than the family. Um, so I think that book was placed there to show like, Hey, if you don't follow our traditions and our rules, um, that we've had for like hundreds of years, you may probably end up like Anne Boleyn who knows you know um and I feel like I don't know if the director was trying to say something like maybe Diana's death was not an accident maybe it was planned because uh, Prince Charles you know did want to marry Camilla and you know he couldn't really get married to her unless like Diana died or something happened I don't know but Sorry, I don't really follow, like, the royal stuff, but I think that's, those are just my theories, but, um, so I don't know if it's true or not, but I don't know if the director was trying to say something, um, with that, um, so if the royal family is listening to this, um, and if you guys don't hear from me within a month, um, you probably, I don't know, something might have happened, so, like, who knows. But anyways, um, yeah, so I think those are just my thoughts on, uh, Spencer, uh, and Anne Boleyn. And, um, 
Yeah, I think uh, the Tudor history is also a fascinating time period, and I think Amelyn is fascinating as well. Um, I, I currently have a book about her called The Lady in the Tower by Alison Weir, and it pretty much documents her final days um, in the tower and then also like her, like her trial, which I think she was completely innocent of. Um, I think because she was killed because Henry VIII wanted to marry Jane Seymour and he wanted to have sons to continue his dynasty. And I think Henry VIII is a loser and a weirdo. And uh, anyways, I have thoughts on him, but I might say that for a different episode. Um, but, you know, I feel like with Diana too, I think, you know, I think Diana and Anne Boleyn have just left um outstanding legacies to continue and i think it's gonna just continue for the next 500 years um and i think um i think the the connections that we can make with between the two women and also i feel like like i mentioned earlier i do see history repeating itself um you know, like with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle kind of like breaking away from royal family, kind of like King Henry VIII wanted to break away from the church of, or excuse me, the Catholic church and form his own church to marry Anne Boleyn. So I feel like there's one similarity there. Um, but those are just my thoughts. You know, I'm not an actual historian. Um, and, um, yeah so I really that's pretty much it with this episode um so I hope you guys enjoyed it I would love to hear what you think of this episode what your thoughts are on about it and um yeah I mean if you like I said if you want to learn more about Princess Diana or Anne Boleyn there are um some sites um that you can check out on Google or Wikipedia. Um, also, I don't, I, like I said, I don't really watch, I think the only royal show that I've watched, like, is like The Crown. So, um, I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like historically accurate. I mean, I'm sure there are th some things in there, but I think if you watch the most recent season with uh, Princess Diana, um, I think it can get you, give you a, better understanding of Diana's um, pretty much rise into that uh, royal family and I know the next season of uh, The Crown is coming up I think it's maybe like later this year I don't know I have to check on that um, but yeah that's pretty much it um, so let me know what you think of this episode feel free to follow me on Instagram at 100 Real with Steph. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this and um, also stay tuned for um, the next episode. So I am planning to release an episode uh, in a couple of weeks. And um, I think for that episode, I will be talking about uh, life after two years of the pandemic. So stay tuned for that one. So yeah, that is it for today. I hope you guys have an amazing day and uh, take care. Have a good one.